Hi, this is Zach. And this is Patrick. And welcome to Pipecast. Where we pipe up for pipes and pipe down for what? Happy uh, International Pipe Smoking Day from crew at Pipecast. Yeah, so yeah. So we do a special segment for you guys. A little bit rambly. Maybe not... Uh, Maybe not have much uh, much in the way of the way we normally do it. Just kind of ramble on. Of course, maybe some of you are listening are like, don't you always ramble? So, <laughs> you know, to those people, good. I'm glad you enjoy just the, the ramble. You're not expecting anything else because this is what you're getting again. <laughs> good old rambling. Happy smoking. So, uh, before we get into it, I just wanted to say um, we got a couple, we got two or three shout outs. Um, one shout out is to, let me see right here. Well, the, these first two are some, uh, some Instagram, um, fellow users, uh, who have reached out to us and offered, uh, you know, their, their wisdom or their, or advice. Uh, and we, we really appreciate that. And, uh, it's Jay and his uh, username is Jay Furman six three one, and then uh, Ernest Picasso, and he is at Picasso Ernest. Uh, is his username, and they both of them, like I said, have reached out to us and gave us some great uh, feedback, and and that's uh that's always wanted from us. We mm-hmm. want to hear what you what you have to say, but then also a uh, big shout out to. Mike Murphy at Pipe and Tamper. Uh, he he gave us a big shout out. He reposted our last uh, or time before last Instagram post, and that was a real a real uh, real great thing he did. So kudos to him for doing that. Yeah, it's always good to hear from the community. Kind of get a little uh, checks and balances of what we're doing, and maybe specifically what you all would like to hear. So, uh, you know, we really appreciate that because uh, we're trying. It's all experimentation on our end, and we uh, we want to try to get as much uh, covered in, in, in the time it takes to smoke a bowl. Today might be a little bit different. I'm smoking a smaller bowl, but uh, uh, I'm willing to go. Uh, I'm willing to go a second bowl, so it's not a big deal. So, what are you oh, yeah. uh, what are you smoking today? Well, today's a very special day. Um, you know, it being International Pipe Smoking Day. This is actually a nice find from from you. Mm-hmm. You found. Uh, before I say it, why don't you just tell them how you found it? So, um, for those of you who are lucky enough to have a brick and mortar pipe shop that you go to, one that is geared towards pipes. Usually, when you go to a tobacconist, or it ends up being just a cigar shop, really, and the pipes are relegated to a few dusty shelves with a couple of tins just strewn about. But if you're lucky enough to have a shop um, that is that has a dedicated wing, at least, to uh, pipes and pipe tobacco, you can get lucky. And um, the other day, um, I was in there browsing, just uh, shooting the breeze uh, with a clerk and just going over some things. I'd seen a, a, a great couple of pipes that I was interested in getting and uh and a less woods pipe and uh, I'm in the middle of that conversation a tin caught my eye off off a little ways kind of in the corner 
and I knew exactly what it was when I saw it. So I scooted on over there to it. And sure enough, it was uh, McBaron's HH Vintage Syrian. Now, they'd had it on this kind of sample block where it allowed their customers to come in and sample it, but they hadn't opened it yet and it still had the price sticker on it. And um, I go, well, are you sampling this out? And they go, well, we haven't opened it yet. And I was like, well, I'll buy it right here if you want, because <laughs> you absolutely cannot find HH Syrian anywhere. As a matter of fact, trying to find Syrian Latakia is pretty much impossible. The last time I smoked a Syrian Latakia was um, in McClellan's Three Oaks. And as we all know, unfortunately, McClellan's has closed down. And I haven't quite had, you know, any Syrian Latakia since then. I think that's been seven years ago for sure. Because, I mean, even even going back to a time when McClellan was established tobacco producer, um, Syrian Latakia is is mythical now. It's gone. Uh, the Syrian conflict has pretty much eradicated all Latakia produced in that country and you know for those unfortunate enough not to have tried it you know it is it is a different version of Latakia that we're used to which is the Cyprian uh, out of Cyprus I think it's a better um, milder version of Latakia I enjoy it a lot more I do think that the difference is you know the way I mean obviously the difference in the production I do think that the Cyprian Latakia smoked quite considerably more maybe than the Cyprian. Um, but it's just different. It really changes up everything for a Latakia based blend. So, you know, when I saw that it was a 3.5 ounce tin, which is a considerable amount. I immediately snatched it and said, I'll buy it right here, right now. Um, how much, you know, and, uh, they sold it to me and I knew that, you know, the odds of it being reminiscent Two Three Oaks, which is a, a great blend. It's sad that that blend doesn't exist anymore. It's sad that basically tons of McClellan blends um, don't exist. And I, I know majority of people are Frog Morton fans, or uh, I, I love Balkan Blue um, and Three Oaks especially. But um, you know, I wasn't expecting it to be Three Oaks. But you know, I went home, I packed a pipe, I lit it up, and yeah, it's, it's exactly kind of, I mean, it's not three oaks. Okay. I can tell you that there's, there's a, there's, it is definitely different, but the memory that it evoked of three oaks and just the kind of the way the Syrian Latakia has that buttery finish. I just, man, it's just, you know, you just kind of just go into this you know, ecstasy, right? Where you get to try something that you haven't really touched and you never even thought you were going to touch again. Uh, and, the, you know, I I know for a fact that those tins are pretty much impossible to find. I think actually uh, McBaron is out of Syrian Latakia and now it is, it is, I think that they've changed the line to just HH Latakia, hmm. uh, the flake, which is a good flake. Uh, as a matter of fact, a lot of people consider it kind of a, uh, a counter to um, Penzance. Uh, to me, it's reminiscent of Quiet Nights uh, by GLPs. It's, it's a fine flake. There's nothing wrong with it. But something about HH Syrian, it's completely different. It's buttery. It's got this nice finish. It lasts. It The smoke is cool. It's just great. 
So, of course, uh, the first thing I do when I get something like that or find something is I text my old compadre over here, Patrick, mm-hmm. and uh, wanted to see what he had to think to say about it as soon as I had the availability to let him smoke it. And today is, is that it, day. Is so. that day, yes. And, uh, you know, coming from a completely different aspect, you, know, you were saying that you were thinking you'd never be able to smoke it again, where I was coming into it because I had heard of, you know, of course I've heard of people talk about Syria. Latakia. So I was under the impression I would never get to smoke it. So, you know, it it, it probably should have hit me harder than it did. It's just, you know, I, it, I never dwelled over the fact that I would never get a chance to, to smoke it. But but now that I am, mm, I mean, it is different. It is different. Because I, I smoked the H the HH Latakia flake uh, that, that you had that one day. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I can't really pin down the difference, but it, you know, I mean, I am noticing it is cooler. It's, it's a cooler smoke, mm-hmm. but mm, it's very nice. I like it a lot. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, I love that tobacco. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it, and I think some people might be thinking that, you know, it's, you know, we're putting something on or they can't taste the difference, you know, and I'm not trying to do that. I mean, I really do taste the difference. I do feel like it has a more buttery finish to it. Um, the smoke is a little bit lighter. Um, that woodsy taste, that fi- that campfire, you know, taste that you get. And it's just, it's just got the most pleasant aftertaste. And the way H.E. Syrian works is, is it's about a 40 to 50% mixture of Syrian Latakia with an, uh, with the other half of the blend being uh, Oriental and Virginia. And the Virginia has a sweetness that kind of washes away that buttery finish of the Syrian. And the Oriental is kind of accurate, almost sour notes, you know, twirl around with the Virginia and wash, like I said, wash away some of that. And then it comes back in and you get that buttery taste. And that, and then that kind of finish, and then you inha- you know inhale again or puff again, retrohale I should say, and you you get that same sort of you know ebb and flow of flavor between that sweet citrus sour, and that buttery finish of the Syrian. I just I love it. Mm. And so, <clears throat> to sort of, I guess in a weird twist of fate, I guess. I'm smoking something that you thought you'd never smoke again, and I thought I never would smoke. While today you're smoking something that, uh, you know, may uh, may not last much longer. Yes. One so, of your favorites. Yeah, one of my favorite blends. I got a big old tin of Chelsea Morning, and I decided, like, why not just smoke just a ton of Chelsea Morning uh, for International Pipe Smoking Day. It's definitely, like... My it's by far my by far and away my favorite GLPs blend. I know a lot of people do a lot of comparisons to um, Westminster, and Westminster's a great blend as well. It's not Chelsea Morning, but it is a good blend. Um, and uh, you know, with the impending FDA regulation, there is a potential since this was produced after two thousand and seven that if it doesn't go through that process, that we might lose Chelsea Morning. And the other uh, London series, I think it's the old London series, uh, blends forever. So I got a big old eight ounce tin because I was planning on just smoking a, as much as I can until, you know, eventually she goes away. And uh, yeah, 
that's uh that's my blend for the day i mean like i said you just get a big old fat tin of it and you're just i'm just <laughs> i'm just contented just to smoke and smoke and smoke this stuff uh you know by the pound if i have to i guess <laughs> oh man country morning is good i i um like this being so being new in it i'm still trying to wrap my mind around different things and what i think about certain blends but I do know I like Chelsea Morning. Mm-hmm. It is nice. Um, the only thing I know for certain, you know, this far in, or this much into the game, is I like Haunted Bookshop. That's, oh. that's, that's a guarantee. The good news is this Haunted Bookshop's not going anywhere. Um, but yeah, man, I, it's, uh, like we said earlier, this is a, uh, gonna be more of a rambly one so you may hear a lot of craziness you might not order you might not normally hear here or uh like like he said earlier it may just be you know what, what you're used to from us right um now, so. i have a shout out to a buddy mm-hmm. matt who actually had a request uh he was asking about different material types and pipes and i kind of wanted to go through that real quick and then i can expound on it on a later episode um I think we might have pre-recorded this once upon a time, and that episode actually never came yeah. to fruition. Yeah. So uh, I'm just going to kind of reiterate some of the finer points of different materials and pipes, and um, and then we can kind of get into a more rambly kind of yeah. spiel. Uh, but like, so you know, there are three, four really major pipe types. So you've got corn cob, uh, clay, briar, and meerschaum. And I do go from, that's from the lowest to to an ascending order. I do think at the top end would be your Meerschaum. And I'll explain that in a second. Of course, everyone has their own categories. We're not going to discuss shape because I don't think shape, shape is the aesthetics, people. Like anybody who argues with me about that, you know, that shape or that the grain itself or, you know, it, it's not going to make a difference in smokeability. Um, it's just pleasing to your eye. We're going to start with corn corn cob so corn cob obviously is made from a corn cob um, these plants the corn cobs were grown and bred in such a way that you have a lot more husk and a lot less seeds so you have a little bit more of a wider bowl so it doesn't cause burnout to me is the perfect introductory uh, material 100 the best way you should start pipe smoking is with corn a corn cob pipe and you've got two options on that they're both sort of you can consider the corn cob, the everyman, the American style, or really the blue collar pipe. But uh, there are two that I know of off the top of my head as Missouri Meerschaum, which is pretty much the gold standard in corn cob production and pipes. Um, they're great pipes. You can't go wrong with them. Um, they don't really ghost that much, but even if they did ghost a ton, they're so cheap, you could devote basically a corn cob to every single type of blend that you liked. And you wouldn't really be breaking the bank. Um, to get a, a mid-grade, high-end corn cob pipe is going to cost you 15 bucks. It's going to cost you 15 bucks to get a pipe tobacco, and probably three bucks for pipe cleaners and a tamp, or a pipe tool and a check tool, depending on what you like. So I mean, all in all, you're looking at say 35 bucks to really get you into the hobby of smoking, and you can smoke those corn cobs pretty pretty fair amount. Um, mm-hmm. The beginnings of some uh, 
Uh, well, I'll go into the second type. And then there's Old Dominion. It's a little bit more of a rustic type pipe, uh, corn cob pipe. It's uh, the company I think is out of Pennsylvania. Don't quote me on that. Um, they originally found that some of their cobs they're growing had a heritage all the way back to early corn cob pipes. They don't have um, birch uh, shanks and acrylic stems. They just have bamboo uh, kind of stab stems that you stab into it. So they're all straight pipes. Mm-hmm. And you can get uh, those bamboo replacements for those pipes. Um, they're very plain. They don't have uh, plaster to Paris um on top of them to kind of like seal them in or anything like that it's basically just a plain corn cob and uh and just a bamboo stem they smoke really well i think both of them smoke just as good uh as the other um but i will go into the detail of those two different ones real quick so missouri meerschaum um you're gonna have a like i said a birch shank at the beginning the downside is is that as you're smoking and burning into that birch it's going to give you kind of an acrid taste that you're not going to like bear down and smoke it all the way to the bottom of the bowl because it will caramelize and cut out that taste and then it'll leave kind of a, a charred note I and mean, there won't be a taste after that. You'll just smoke tobacco and it won't be a problem. So that's, you know, one of those downsides to it. The Old Dominion um, really doesn't have the bamboo doesn't when you get to it and you burn through it and you will, you can taste it a little bit. Not, it's not quite as pronounced as the birch, um, but you know, it's there. Um, I think the downside to both corn cob companies is that if you're if you smoke hot, you will burn through it. Uh, I've burnt through an old Dominion pipe, and you, you, it'll burn right through the husk, and it'll come out to the other side. Mm. The good news is, is what are you out like 10, 15 bucks? You're not particularly out a lot of money, so it's not the end of the world. So you know, I think that they're great starter pipes, and they're great for just tasting tobacco i'd usually keep a corn cob on me at any given time so when i go into a shop i can taste whatever i want um so going from corn cob to briar no clay so clay's got kind of the same properties as the corn cob or meerschaum it smokes super hot they're usually formed um they're kind of a specialty novelty kind of item um usually they are made in the old colonial style or english style kind of like the um the pub style, uh, very long stem that they'd clip off. Um, they don't, I think they, they smoke extremely hot. That would be the only downside to them, but they're minus that they're very fragile, but they, they don't ghost at all. It is just, you smoke, um, usually they're, they're very, very minuscule bowl. I mean, it's very tiny. So almost because it is done in the style of old colonial or old English, you're not going to get a hefty bowl. You're really, what you're really getting is sort of the poor man's smoke, which would be enough tobacco for really like a cigarette. And that's what you're doing. You're having a beer and you're smoking and that's what they would have done. Uh, they're fun. They're great for tasting uh, different types of tobacco blends. Another great one just to kind of keep on you. Like I said, you, you don't want to throw it in the back of your pocket. You will shatter them. They're very fragile. Um, but they don't ghost. And over time, they will color a little bit. But, uh, you know, more to me, they're, they're less uh, a reliable smoker and more so a novelty item. But uh, I know people that swear by them, and I'm not going to knock them. But to me, they burn way too hot. And, you know, it sometimes the the smoke itself kind of tastes begins to taste very cigarette 
So, mm. you know. Do they burn out? At, like No, they don't. Because, oh. I mean, they're like kiln made, you know, so you got to hit them mm. with that high temperature to get them solidified. So they're not going to burn out at all. Oh, okay. you would, I mean, I guess maybe they could burn out at like at a thousand degrees, you know, but I mean, that's. You know, that's what you're baking them at is like 600 or something yeah. degrees, I'm sure. So, moving on to Briar. Briar is going to be probably your most expensive brand of pipes. Um, you get, I do keep it a peg below Meerschaum, and I'll get into that in a second. Um, Briar pipes, uh, it's Mediterranean Briar. That is uh, pretty much, it's like the gold standard of pipe tobacco. If you see someone with a pipe or even hear a pipe, the thing that's going to come to mind more than likely is a. Um, uh, I mean, unless you're in the rural United States in which a corn cob comes to mind. But if you think of a pipe, if someone were to say a tobacco pipe, the first thing that's going to come to mind is a briar pipe. Uh, usually has bird's eye or flame grain or straight grain. Um, they're very beautiful. They come in uh, quite a few shapes and shapes that are still getting, uh, you know, introduced into uh, the catalog, be it like a reverse calabash or uh you know, some of the Japanese style, um, like the whale and other shapes, um, traditional English shapes like the billiard or Dublin, you know, I mean, all that stuff's going to be kind of up to you as to what you want specifically. They smoke great. They do ghost. Um, usually I tend to keep, I love briar pipes, but that's an addiction really. But, um, what I do is I keep them categorized to, uh, blend type so usually i will have a you know some briar set aside for virginia briar set aside for vapor or vapor burley um a vapor um and then some briars set aside for latakia and a balkan blend so you know i usually kind of keep them within that genre so they're not ghosting too much a latakia or a lakeland especially like an aromatic uh you know blend will really it will stick around for a long time it takes you have to kind of clean the cake off and usually hit it with some scotch or bourbon and let it sit or there's the salt treatment mm-hmm. um there are some things you can do to kind of sweeten the bowl and make it kind of work again for you but you know it will ghost they are probably the most attractive looking pipes that you can get on the market um i don't think anybody has ever bought well, specifically if they bought the one they wanted they never bought it went home and said eh I don't really care for that too much. You know, they can look rustic and kind of worn, uh, or they can be, you know, really aristocratic looking and kind of high end. So, you know, it's all up to the uh, the person purchasing it. I don't think I've ever seen a briar pipe that I really just didn't like. Mm-hmm. I didn't have kind of a, an attraction to. Uh, all briar to me is unique and attractive in its own way. And uh, I think that's what makes them so universally loved. But uh, they're great. They will burn out sometimes if you smoke super hot and really hard on them. Uh, they do need to be sort of retired and rotated um, as you won't ruin the pipe, you know. But if you smoke it and you rotate it out with some corn cobs or some other briars, if you have that, that kind of pocket change as you're building your collection, uh, then they definitely can become an heirloom piece. Um, you can consistently see old Dunhill or Sassini pipes uh, on eBay that uh, are from the 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, or, or even the 60s. Um, you know, they're, uh, they're, they can really be an heirloom piece, mm-hmm. and they can be handed down. So, you know, the Briar is a, is a more traditional, a more old-school 
heirloom style piece of, of you know, it's, it's really sort of a piece of jewelry that you just happen to smoke out of. So, I mean, they can go the distance they really can. So that kind of covers Briar. And then finally, kind of the queen of tobacco uh, material, in my opinion, are Meerschaum pipes. And Meerschaum uh, is, it comes from the German sea foam, and it, it was thought to be petrified uh, sea foam. Um, but it is actually magnesium silicate. It's a, a compressed uh, mineral um, that you have to dig out. I think uh, the majority of the best quality is actually out of Turkey. Eskishir, I think. Mm. Um, there are other uh, kind of what would be considered uh, lower grade material meerschaum that comes out of Africa, but really the high end stuff comes out of Turkey. Um, meerschaum does not ghost. It is very porous. It has magnificent properties that allow you to have a cool, dry smoke just from the absorption of the tobacco juice and nicotine as you're smoking it. Uh, it is pretty much universally lauded as the best material to smoke a pipe out of. Um, I do enjoy my briars, but I mean, if I really want to get a sense of what the tobacco tastes like without having other blends kind of um, muddying the waters, then I definitely want to go with a Meerschaum pipe. Um, I have uh, two Meerschaum pipes and... Uh, Really, that's all you need. You can They do not need a resting period. All you have to do is smoke them, set them down, and then you can come back in an hour or two and smoke it again. It doesn't have to, you know, I think the general rule is that you smoke a briar pipe and then for the day and you let it rest for about seven days. So that's why people have a pipe a day kind of rotation that they usually keep it on. So Meerschaum is not the is not the case. You can smoke anything in it. It really doesn't ghost at all. Um, it also has uh, the ability to tame certain kind of rambunctious tobaccos. I know that I enjoy smoking a full Virginia Flake by Samuel Gall within it because it's a kind of a little rougher around the edges blend, and it 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 really does just meld well with that Meerschaum pipe. Um, Meerschaum, like I said, uh, you can get it. Uh, it, it comes out of the ground sort of like a soapstone or a um, like a soft material that can be carved down. So you can buy it in different, you know, some of the master carvers will put faces on it or a floral design, Celtic crosses. Um, but I mean, personally, I just I prefer a traditional kind of uh, lattice work or a traditional bowl. Like I said, uh, they are magnificent. And because of the porous nature of them, uh, they will color over time. Um, they will absorb the nicotine and actually bring it out to the surface. And once it gets to the surface, it will uh, turn a honey, dark brown uh, color. Um, and it can even marble where it has bits of white and black and turn kind of almost have like a... Uh, a tile kind of look to it where, you know, like, uh, or, 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 or a marble kind of tile look where it's different colors and it's sort of blots all around. So definitely, uh, something you should look into. It is, they are more reasonably priced than the higher end briars. Um, high end briar can get up into the thousands, especially an artisan blend or an artisan made pipe, but Meerschaum, uh, you know, you really shouldn't pay more than $300 for Meerschaum and that should be based on the size of the bowl or the size of the pipe and the amount of meerschaum. 
that should not be dependent on um, material. It's not going to change much. It just depends on like the artists who made it and and the amount of meerschaum you got uh, from that particular block. So, like I said, I just wanted to kind of go through that. Um, in my opinion, you know, everyone should have a meerschaum pipe in their collection. Um, you should definitely start with a corn cob. Clay to me is more of a uh, novelty thing, and uh, and really briar is an addiction. I recommend no one get into because you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna get you're gonna go broke quicker. But I mean, there are tons of really great workhorse briar pipes that are completely affordable. Uh, Shokum Peterson um, Boots Shocking, um, you know, there's tons. I mean, you can even get a state pipe set, you know, or basket pipes even that can come in fifteen yeah. to twenty dollar range. So. Um, that's not to say that briar pipes are completely out of range for you, but, you know, I think, you know, everyone deserves a good sort of Christmas pipe uh, of some sort that they, that they smoke on special occasions, be it a briar. Um, there really isn't such a thing for that as meerschaum. I think you could smoke meerschaum pretty much regularly. It doesn't have to be special, but that sort of covers material. And I, I wanted to make sure that we went over that. Yeah. Um, and I would say, of course, this isn't. This isn't sort of like the guidelines because the thing about smoking pipe tobacco and it's just it's not. I mean, it, it's whatever you want. You know, it's a sharing experience and it's um, it's however you want to do it, whatever brings you joy. But I would say um, it's almost beneficial. You know, if you get into it, right? Because I think we've talked about this before. It's pipe smokers. There's really two different types of types of pipe smokers, it seems like, with a with a you know, sort of a hybrid. There's the people who like the pipes, the collection of the pipes. And then there's people who just love the tobacco. And mm-hmm. of course there's your there's your hybrid ones, which I'm sure a lot of people are the hybrid, but um but there's there still are some people who lean more, you know, they like to collect the pipes and more that they, they like to try all the different types of blends. And it seems like if you're a starter, right, and you, you follow the, the Zach method of getting a corn cob, getting a one ten of tobacco, or maybe like a sample one ounce from a brick and mortar store, and you know you, you're only in it for thirty dollars or so, it seems like if you do that and you like it, but what you like more, you know, is the pipe, then it seems like you know you'll start, you know, it makes sense to go into the briar and start start your collection up. But if it seems more that you, you want to try all the different tobaccos um, and you really enjoy it, it seems like just go straight into Meerschaum. Get, mm-hmm. you, get you a Meerschaum and just go. Uh, don't spend any more money on I mean, like I said, this isn't the end. I'll be all rule. I'm just, just, I'm just talking is all I'm doing. Um, you know, get you a Meerschaum and just run through all the different tobaccos. I mean, just find what you like and... Me, I'm too much of the hybrid. I like the pipes and I like the tobacco. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't have a meerschaum. I probably will end up getting one uh, one day, but uh, I'm just sort of sorting through the briars right now. I, um, I have four briars, and uh, none of them none of them crazy. All affordable uh, when it comes to briars. Oh, you know, as far as briars go, affordable briars. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think you covered it really well there. Um, so if, yeah, if you are a beginner, um, you can learn a lot from from Zach. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that the, there is something to be said for you know just smoking or finding the blends that you want 
And, you know, if you could find four or five blends that you wanted in a regular rotation and then that's, and you were content, one, I'm envious of you because I am yeah. always chasing the tail of the smoke, man. I swear. Mm. But, um, man, if you can, if you can, if you can call it down to five tobaccos, then 100% start collecting briar then mm. because you can dedicate pipes to just five different blends and then have a couple of corn cobs or a meerschaum just to smoke whenever, just kind of out about. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean that would be that would be like choice if you could just pick you know the five blends and you never really wanted to change and then if one got you know discontinued or something you just add something else into your rotation and you would probably know how to effectively do that yeah. and see that's that's my end game really is uh, um you know twenty nineteen is like the year of fi- you know figuring out what what blends I like more than others and then uh, inside of those blend types. Figuring out, you know, what's my favorite, what is my favorite actual blend. Um, and I think uh, that's a, sort of a good segue into something that we're trying to, to determine. Uh, getting ready for March Madness. We, uh, this year we're wanting to try to figure out, you know, what's the best vapor and what's the best English blend. And uh, so um, whenever you're listening to this, if, if you'll follow the link uh, on the Instagram page, It'll take you to a site, and uh, at the very top, it'll say, um, it'll say podcast, but then underneath that, it'll say vote in to Bracketology 2019. Uh, and it's just simply asking, you know, it'll start with the vapors. We got a list of the top uh, rated, reviewed uh, vapors from t- tobaccoreviews.com. Uh, and just, you know, try to pick, you know, your five favorite ones. You know, if, if, you, if you have ten favorite ones, it don't matter, or if you, there's just one that you think is the best. It don't matter how you do it. Just if you'd like to, you know, select your favorite vapor, do that, and then underneath that's uh, your favorite English. You do the same and submit that on, and we'll um, we're probably going to take the top four of each and sort of work them down, you know, battling each other out, and and then from there, you know, we'll take over and uh, try to determine which one's the best, and then pit the winners against each other. You know, is this is the best vapor according to us? Better than the best paper, the best uh, best English, mm-hmm. you know, according to us, and uh, and and so, sort of to tie that all up, the reasoning behind this is I know for me, is getting in the getting into the pipe game at this time, you you know with with a lot of uh, companies you know like McClellan folding up and not making any more uh, tobacco, uh, Dunhill not making any more, um, some of people's favorite GLPs and other ones that are facing the FDA uh, deeming regulations. It's one of those periods where you sort of want to know what is comparable to what, um, at least for me. And, you know, people talk about, um, like, uh, Elizabethan early morning pipe. Um, here, this vintage Syrian, like, you know, people talk about them and, it's nice to be able. Now, granted, you can't do a vintage Syrian, of course, but it's nice to be able to know, you know, what what's comparable. You know, what's comparable to Penzance? What's the closest thing to Penzance? You know, because the Esotericas are up there too. The the pipes that are harder to find, the more rare pipes. So that's sort of what this the goal of all this to bracketology is. Um, you know, and, and next year we'll probably do it at other blends like Burleys and uh, or Burley based and um, maybe aromatics. But 
but yeah, we it's just for me it's be able to say, hey, you know, I may not have ever had uh, Dunhill nightcap, but you know, this is something that's similar. Or hey, I can't get my hands on um, uh, Margate, but this is close, you know. Right. Because at the end of the day, like I said, I'd like to be able to narrow narrow down the types of the types of uh, blends that I like. You know, what's my favorite vapor? What's my favorite vapor? You know, uh, and just stick to those. You know, that that's sort of what I want to get to. Because um, I already do that a little bit in a way as far as my briars go. I got briars dedicated to certain things, and uh, um, you know, I got one. I got the old little stumpy boy that uh he, he just smokes anything but the thing it, is is like we don't want you to just know that tobacco tasting in general will always be subjective yeah. and, it, and it should never close out your pursuit but if there's a way that we can assist in showing you something similar um two tobaccos that might have a kinship um i will just go out on a limb real quick and say that H.H. Syrian or Syrian Latakia in particular, um, because of its light nature, that a Cyprian blend of Latakia on the lighter side, I'm going to specifically call out Chelsea Morning, is going to be reminiscent of H.H. Syrian. The reason for that is because the Cyprian Latakia in a smaller quantity is subdued in the same way that Syrian Latakia is subdued even if at 40 to 50 percent within the blend yeah if you wanted to try something that was similar in its aroma and taste to hh syrian vintage syrian um, i would recommend chelsea morning why because the lighter amount of latakia uh, cyprian latakia will allow you to still have that slight buttery taste but um really put the oriental and the virginia on main street Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and i think that that being able to to identify and you know show hey you know this is going to be like this and this is going to be like this granted this is our opinion could help people as they're trying to lead in and i think that that really becomes a community effort if people start voting and actively engaging with us on this podcast and also limits so much subjectivity um, as most uh, you know people do in the YouTube pipe community where they just do their top 10 for 2019. You know I would like it that like you know you guys assisted us in getting a uh, you know a bracketed tobacco off and then eventually a head-to-head between you know, vapor versus English. Um, very similar to like the way the dog show is. You know, you have your do- specific dog categories and then the dogs go head to head and eventually you have best in show. Yes. I think that's kind of like what we're really looking at here as far as this tobacco, tobacco, tobacology, tobacology, tobacology. Now, this sort of dawned on me and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think if a, if a, a new pipe smoker or even a, a, a experienced pipe smoker who maybe has never had Syrian, I think probably, you said it's 40 to 50%, right, in this uh, vintage Syrian? Right. A good, uh, if you can get your hands on it, a good uh, way to tell the difference, you know, to tell the difference between Syrian Latakia and 
Cyprian would be to smoke vintage Syrian against Star of the East. Yeah. Um, or, or maybe even Commonwealth. If they can get their hands on the Syrian. Yeah. Because cause Star of the East is 50% Cyprian. And then uh, I don't know if it's the same. I'd have to check. I don't know if the other 50 is the same as what's uh, in vintage Syrian. Well, I know Commonwealth is 50% Latakia, Cyprian, and 50% Virginia. Okay, so it's just... I want to say Star of the East has maybe Perique with it. Maybe a pinch of Perique. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe. I don't know. Well, I'll have to get back. But I think that, that would be a pretty good way to... You can, you can smoke one and smoke the other and be like, okay, well, you know, this is the difference between 50% Syrian and 50% mm-hmm. Cyprian. <clears throat> but yeah, that, that would be an option. Um... So that's uh that's something that we would like you guys to participate in. Yeah. Uh, like definitely. I said, the uh, the surveys are open now. How long do you think we're going to leave those open for? Um, I would say maybe at the first second week of March. Mm-hmm. Maybe give them, uh, give y'all two to three weeks to vote, and then uh, and then we'll be able to create the bracket itself from from the the top winner or the winners. Perfect. And we the might actually post that on Reddit or something too, to get yeah. some of the uh, tobacco community and you know, on Reddit kind of mm-hmm. a little bit more involved. See if we can get some more people, um, you know, voting and trying to get this this head to head to go forward. And uh, yeah. I think this is something interesting that we can do year to year. Oh yeah, yeah, and um, you know, when, you know when when newer blends hit the market, which I know that's probably not going to be the case. Until we sort this FDA stuff out, um, you know, that, that's something, that's some, one of the questions is, when we get to that point, how many new blends are going to hit the market? You know, right. it, are we going to hit a, are we going to hit a time frame for a decade or so where there's no new blends ever? It's just what's been made. And, you know, if that is the case, then maybe this tobacco will help. People like me who just want to find one that's their that's their favorite and stick with it because that might be the only thing you can get. Yeah. Um. But uh, switching gears a little bit, I uh, I'll talk about uh, a couple weekends ago. Um. I went up to Mammoth Cave National Park in uh, in uh, just outside of Cave City, Kentucky. Um. Halfway between um, Bowling Green and Elizabethtown, and uh, I'm a I, you know me and my uh, girlfriend we're pretty big hikers I guess we we went on a trip last um, last September uh, to uh, uh, the Northwest we went to uh, Seattle and we pretty much just spent uh, a week eight day eight or nine days. Um, camping in the three national parks that are in the Seattle area uh, Olympic National Park Mount Rainier National Park and North Cascade National Park and you know that's just something we enjoy doing uh, and really she got me into it um, she, she was big into that kind of stuff she's got one of those national park passports she's got several stamps uh, in that um, but uh, so we went up to Mammoth Cave and I'll tell you that as much as I loved Mount Rainier uh, and if anybody out there who you know is in that area or has been there, they know the splendor of 
Mount Rainier. Uh, I gotta say, I, I, I'm a big fan of the cave. Uh, I didn't know it, but it's the it's the largest cave system in the world. Um, I think it's they've discovered a little over 400 miles of um, of cave, and uh, uh, they're still they're still discovering more and more uh, each year. Uh, and man, it it was a workout too. I will tell you that the uh, we went on it, it's all tour guided. Um, I think they do have some trails that you can do above ground. Um, but as far as getting into the cave, I think it's all tour based. And uh, we did two tours. There's the historic tour where you go in through the historic in, uh, entrance of the of the cave, and then there's the new entrance, which was um, it's a little bit further out. And um, I tell you what, those two tours they they put a whooping on me. I because uh, I mean it's like you're going down this tight stairwell that's rickety. And you're having to dodge uh, rocks sticking out of the wall as you're trying to get down the steps. And it's at the entrances, it's all wet and slippery. Um, and but once you get in there, I mean, it's called Mammoth, not because of, uh, of dinosaurs. I think they've said that there has been no dinosaur bones found in that area, which they, you know, was pretty unique. But uh, it's Mammoth because of the size of the caves. It's, uh, they're huge. There's this one area. I think it's the first big uh, part you get to in the historic entrance that, uh, and I, you could fit a, a basketball gymnasium in that thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it's massive. And uh, it's just really, really crazy. You get in there and you, you walk through these massive hallways and then all of a sudden, boom, you're in what they call fat man's misery. And um, I think if, if anybody's in that area, uh, and you haven't gone there, yeah, I mean, you should go. And if you have gone there, go again. <laughs> the place is awesome. Yeah. Uh, if you're into that kind of stuff, um, but that you know that that's a lot of stuff I like to do. Now I know you. This past weekend, you went on a little trip. Yeah, I went to Savannah, Georgia, and let me tell you guys, <laughs> I'm about to alienate a whole bunch of people. So just y'all get ready. They'd be in disagreement. Savannah is the most overrated just town in the u.s if you're raised (laughs) in the south if you think that that is fanciful or magical get your head examined because it is just a waste of time like you know any southern city that was established in 1810 1811 through 1860 is going to have that same antebellum style that same quaint just boring <laughs> just i just can't imagine going to a place and just being like oh the architecture and everything is just such a it's just it's like it's just i can't remember my buddy said it's the south but more south <laughs> and it's just so ridiculous to go to this place and to just be like you know what i like to do i like to just see boring ass squares and just walk around and just like I'm so mesmerized by Spanish moss. It's so magical. This nasty swampland crap growing out of trees. I just can't handle it. No. You know. And then they're like, "Hey, why don't you uh, why don't you come over here to my my country time kitchen in which I serve fried chicken and mashed potatoes and everything that I could totally get at KFC." You know, I went to Paula Dean's 
terrible restaurant and just it's just like hey y'all y'all want some buffet no i don't like i don't want buffet i don't want your fried chicken that anyone from my hometown can make a bajillion times better the place isn't i mean like it's just it's embarrassing that people just go gaga over it i just don't get it i don't understand how like you know I read Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil and saw the film with Kevin Spacey where he puts on the most ridiculous southern accent that doesn't exist anywhere. Which is funny because he used that for House of Cards. It doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean... It, it's that foghorn leghorn, old south before Sherman burned down Atlanta, terrible accent. Like, it's just, you know... Oh, God. And everyone's got this, this like, uh, oh, that gym boy over there when shot some uh, some uh, some old uh, country boy or whatever. Just it's just so ridiculous. I can't even do it because it's so fake. It's such a put on. And then everyone has like some pithy response to everything that no one does in the South, where it's just like, God, what is it? It's just like, uh, why don't y'all come on up for some sweet tea? It's just hotter than a hot cicada night in the summertime of July. Oh my God. Or it's just, um, she sparkled like a firefly inside a mason jar on top of a whipper wheel in a creekside. Just kill yourself. Hey, now, I, I do a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> you do an accent that is a put on. You don't actually speak that way. No one, I've never heard anyone just like, <laughs> I don't understand how the South became such a caricature of itself from a time in the similar, it's like did it's like everyone watched Gone with the Wind, and no one remembered how to how Southerners even behave, even in the South. It's like no one read William Faulkner and Southern <laughs> Gothic and like you know Reconstruction after the Civil War and how horrific that was. Or it's just this like this just this King Cotton put on this facade. It, it's funny because I think it all is based on tourism, uh, especially for people not from the South. It's, it's sort of funny. It's like, oh, yeah, we hate the South, you know. They're racist, but dang! I love that accent. <laughs> that's a... It's not even a real accent. No, no, that's you not. Know? But, you know... The, if you come to the South and you deal with someone moderately educated, you know, they're like going to... Yeah, yeah, I would say that we're fine, you know. I think we're You're, you're pretty, probably going to hear... You know, th- this is the way what you're going to hear. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> you're going to hear this, or you're going to hear like uh, something that it's pretty much universally trashy. You know, that yeah. is not uncommon to New York or California. You know, it's just like, yeah, boy, like you come on over here. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, she said, uh, you know, we couldn't be girlfriend boyfriend no more, but uh, <laughs> hell, she said we could stay cousins. Oh, I mean, that is what you're going to be hearing. Yeah, I mean, you might even, <laughs> you might, you know, hear a little bit of that road. Uh, can I talk like that? You know, but just something, you know, Sling Blade is probably the closest you're going to get to an actual <laughs> Southern accent that you can hear. Um, but you're not, you're not, you're not going to hear like, uh, uh, like that. That I don't even know what it is. It's just that genteel Southern, yeah, like. Yeah, I only think of it in terms of like someone who's a colonel, like you know, like he smelled of 
leather and bourbon and just it's so ridiculous. Like, Tommy I, Lee I, Jones. Yeah, just anything. Like no, Tommy Lee Jones is a Texan. Yeah, you're right. And he has that Texan accent. I'm talking about that right. Gone with the Wind you're right. crap. Now, you know? What would you categorize Clinton? Clinton? Yeah. Clinton's white trash. <laughs> well, I know, but some of his accent. Yeah, he's white trash. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's funny, you go back and hear Hillary, how her accent, she covered, she slowly covered it up. It's because she slowly migrated to New York. Yeah. But That's what you... happens. Politicians are liars. You know, they're yeah. either through and through trash, like Clinton is, like white trash, and he just, that is his accent, or they're chameleon liars. Um, and this isn't like a knock on necessarily Bill or Hillary, you know. Um, I got my opinions on a lot of politicians, but I mean, politicians in general, they typically are chameleons and they're going to pander to the lowest common denominator. That's why, you know, I, I can't, I'm not having to bash Hillary. I'm sorry, guys. But like, uh, that's why she went on a show and she's just like, yeah, I keep I keep hot sauce in my purse. It's like, no, you don't, you liar. No. You know? There's a ton of examples of this chameleon kind of pandering shenanigans. Yeah. It's just, it's a lie. It's a put on. Um, her accent is as southern as, you know, it's just, it's just a put on. <laughs> well, it's a lie. What's funny is, sort of on the same subject, but harking back to, uh, harkening back to uh, that trip we took to Seattle. <laughs> so I... Well, what's funny is, uh, you know, people would talk to me, and they're like, oh, yeah, we could tell you had an accent. I'm like, yeah, you know, I could make it a lot worse. <laughs> That's what sort of made me question. It's like, this isn't the worst that you can possibly hear. But getting back to Savannah, I haven't been in probably over a decade. But I will tell you this. I'm sure it hadn't changed that much in a decade. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, maybe it has. But I guess what I was going to say is, if it's the way it was when I went, it to me it would be a cool place to to live, I guess. Uh, just because I, I love, I don't know, I love being able to sort of be in the country, but like to walk around <laughs> everywhere. I don't like to be dependent on cars, and the South is the worst place to be uh, if you want to if you don't want to be dependent on cars. Um, but uh, I would say I, I don't. I'm sort of with you. I don't understand the tourist side of it all. That doesn't really make sense. Why? Why you would want to take time out of your day to go there? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, uh, I wouldn't mind living there. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is like urban planning goes as far as one point three million dollar homes. And what I mean by that is, is like you say you love to ride a bicycle, you say you love to walk, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but if you're working in Savannah, the odds are that you're a dock worker or something like that. I think they have like one of the largest, uh, what do they call those things? I guess docks or piers are importing mm. a what is it? harbor a port. Thank you. Oh. They have the largest port, I think on the Eastern seaboard. Oh, I um, know so, you know, you're probably going to be a dock worker, which means you're going to have to have a car to get to the dock or the port, uh, which means you're going to have to live on the outskirts. And you, you know, you, you work, you drive through Savannah and, 10 minutes or so, you know, and then once you get to the outskirts, urban decay sets in again, mm. and you're right back into the car thing. Mm. So, like, even the most picturesque place in the world, like Forsyth Park or whatever, is as good as a 10-minute drive. Yeah. yeah. In which it's rusty, decayed, like, tidal, lone shark places, mm. just awfulness, you yeah. know? So, it's just like, but, like, people have their blinders on so heavily, they're only like, yeah, I mean... 
Savannah. It's just like, hey, y'all, like, won't you come in for some sweet tea? Like, ugh. It's like, no, that only exists in this specific area. You go out to, like, you know, Rinkin or something like that, and you're just going to be, like, in any mixed city that, uh, you know, is dependent on the tourism of its neighboring town. Yeah. And it's, you know, sort of getting in on that. Talking about, you know, being able to walk everywhere. I, I sort of, I sort of go back and forth between, hold on one second. My mic is all messed up here. Okay. Uh, segwaying into that, I sort of go back and forth between wanting to live somewhere where I can walk everywhere and then also having like acreage with like woods. Um, and it was funny, I was telling you about it the other day about how, you know, like with the Gilmore Girls, it's like they sort of live out in the country, but then they still seem to walk everywhere when it comes to the town itself. Yeah, but the, that's the problem with those shows. Is like those shows are, in my opinion, more fantastical than Game of Thrones. <laughs> like, you know, well, any sitcom that's set in New York is going to have to be relatable because the characters are broke, typically. Right? Yeah. And uh, three broke, or two, or three broke characters living in an apartment in New York that's huge, where everyone has a room and there's multiple baths, and, you know, all of them work at, like, some crappy job, you know? It's just like dragons are absolutely more believable. I can't get behind shows like that. It's just too fantastical for me. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> and, I mean, and you're right. I never thought about it before, but it's like, yeah, I mean... You, you can't live out in the country and be able to walk everywhere. You mm-hmm. can't, like, you can't live in an apartment with five people and don't have a job. And and having a problem like that, you know, friends, how about your mother, stuff like that. Right. At least at least Seinfeld seemed remotely real. Yeah, I mean, like you, everyone had legitimate adult jobs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then, like, yeah, I mean, you're right. But I'd I'd love to have some. I'd love to have some acreage. But um, I uh, a couple. Was it a couple months ago? Maybe I think it was probably the summertime. You and me read uh, *Mortal Engines*, mm-hmm. uh, the the first book in the quartet, and um, really seemed to like it. You know, it um, it worked well. I believe he said it was meant to be a little bit more political, mm-hmm. but then they made it a, 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 like a YA, a young adult right. book, and it so they took it out, and I think it benefited from it. No, like they cut it. out all the. I mean, I guess. Sometimes, like, the adult detailing of, like, the political systems within a city that is, I guess, movable, you know, is essentially a gigantic car. Um, probably, you sort of lose your audience just a little bit. It becomes a little bit more niche when you can, you know, you make the, uh, the story a little bit more fantastical and kind of collect on a larger audience or, or, you know, a bigger audience at large, at least. Yeah. But it was good. I mean, like, it was well, it was well done. 
I didn't have any problems with it. Yeah, it was a, it was a really good book, and I finally got around to watching the movie, which uh, I see it seems that a lot of people didn't like it. <laughs> really? I don't think so. I don't think it got really good reviews. And hmm. I don't think a lot of people went to see it. That's not surprising. Yeah, but I mean, I I thought it 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 did it did the it did the the book well. It just maybe a little bit of the execution of it. I, I think there were some changes in it. Granted, I mean, I can't remember every detail from the book, but I want to say hey, you may remember. And I mean, spoilers if anybody wants don't want to know this. Um, just skip ahead about five minutes or so or two minutes. But um, she didn't the Hester Shaw, right? Mm-hmm. She wasn't raised by Strike, was she? Or whatever her name was. Yeah, she was. She was. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe I just forgot that part. Strike found her. Yeah. Or okay. Strike. <sighs> yeah. I can't I remember if, between it and Hyperion. Right. He's his English name is Shrike like for the English novel yeah oh and then the American version took out Shrike and renamed it Strike Strike yeah yeah I think it's Strike that's what it is in the movie Strike okay so that's the American version the English version is Shrike did they do it in America because of Hyperion yes I think so is Hyperion an American novel yes oh okay that makes sense so uh, what was I going for that? So, yeah, but like she, yeah, she had, after her face laceration, she washed up where Strike was at, and okay. uh, he took her in. Okay, well then I don't think they changed anything from the book then. Hmm. Um, yeah, but no, it, it was good, it, you know, it probably could have been better. Um, it always can be. I think if Peter Jackson had done the directing instead of just like producing it or whatever he did, I think it might have could have been better, or maybe it benefited from him not. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I like Peter Jackson. At a certain point, like I guess, if you make something as I suppose as profound as the Lord of the Rings trilogy, then basically you don't have to do. I mean, he's now the modern day George Lucas. Yeah. He didn't I mean, direct that much. I mean, the last thing he did wasn't even directing. He just did the. He restored those World War One, that World War One footage, and um, put it colored on it. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, but no, I watched that, and then I watched a movie that I feel is a lot better. Uh, I don't think I've, I haven't read the book of this movie, but the, a house with the clock in its walls, or the house with the clock in its walls. Uh, I watched that over the weekend. And man, I love that movie. That was really good. Yes, I, I saw it too. It's uh, that's weird for a children's movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it's. I, I mean I don't think I don't think that you can. You definitely can enjoy any type of film, regardless of it's catered to kids or not. But like, uh, I have a tendency not to like children's movie, and this was one that my wife wanted to watch, and I wanted to watch. I like Jack Black. And, uh, yeah, it's really entertaining. Um, and uh, the guy who directed it, Eli Roth, he's a, actually kind of an extreme horror director. He did, like, Hostel and mm-hmm. The Green Inferno and uh, some really, really rough films. And uh, I think adding in that horror element, like a legitimate horror element to it, really made the film that much better. 
Yeah, what was really interesting is, like, my girlfriend doesn't like horror at all. She can't even watch Stranger Things because of the music. And I thought I thought it was going to get her. Because I, I, I watched it without her, and then I rewatched it with her. And I thought that that might be one of the things that sort of, you know, she, she wouldn't like about it. Because we also, um, you know, she hasn't seen that many movies. Backstory, she's from... Um, Vietnam. She came over in 2010, I believe. Hmm. Eight or ten. So there's a lot of movies, you know, that she hasn't seen. Uh, I know uh, we. I watched, I showed her Jurassic Park, the, the first two Terminators. You know, she, she enjoyed uh, those a lot. But horror movies, that that's sort of where she draws the line. Uh, I actually was re-watching um, the 2018 Halloween movie. And she came home and basically just said, I'm not watching that. It made me, it made me cut it off. But uh, earlier in the weekend, uh, we watched The Mummy. I just threw it on. I was just like, you know what? I'm go-. Not not the Tom Cruise, the Brendan Fraser. Uh, put it on because I saw it on Netflix. I'm like, I hadn't seen this in a long time. Um, something had made me think about it uh, the other, like prior to that. So I turned it on and um, just started watching it and you know, she liked it, but you know, she said it was a little too scary for her taste. It was it was almost borderline too scary, which I th- which got me thinking. You know, it is very much sort of like a Indiana Jones meets horror kind mm-hmm. of movie. The way it, the the way they approach that movie, um, and uh, but yeah, so with that little horror aspect of uh, of uh, a house or the house with a clock on its walls, um, you know, I think yeah, I think you're right. It, it, it was it was good it was good addition to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Jack Black a lot. I love Kate Blanchett. Um, and I, I think they they did a wonderful job. Um, I didn't actually know Kate Blanchett was Australian. I thought she was British. I did too. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. I mean, there's a whole new wave of Australian actors that came us overseas oh, yeah. in the early 2000s, if you think about it. And not just actors. The Hemsworth, Ledgers, blah, oh, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Um, and then, uh, oh, what's her name? Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm. And then, what, and Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. Keith Urban. Not an actor, but an artist or a musician. And husband to Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um... Speaking of Brendan Fraser, I watched, uh, there's a new show on uh, that DC Universe streaming service. Mm-hmm. Um, you got that? No. Uh, uh, well, somebody else does, and I watched it via theirs. Um, Theft. Well, hey, they pay for it. <laughs> and oh, then okay. Okay. <laughs> It's like having multiple profiles on a Netflix, right? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, I, wa- I watched uh, Doom Patrol. Have you seen that? No. Have you, have, you, have you heard of that? I know the comic. Okay. Well, so there's a new show that they're doing. And I first saw it because I saw an ad on Instagram for it. And it seemed very like. It looked like they were going for that Guardians of the Galaxy kind of vibe, but it looked like it looked pretty rough. Like, like the costumes didn't look that good. It just looked weird. It, it was a, it was a cool ad. 
it just looked like it was going to be rough. But basically, this version of the show on the ad that I saw has um, Crazy Jane. Uh, I think her name's Elastigirl or Elastawoman. Hmm. Uh, um, Invisible Man, maybe, is his name. Uh, Cyborg and Robot Man. And I watched that the first episode of the pilot last night. Brendan Fraser plays the Robot Man. And I was really happy when I saw that. Brendan Fraser, man, what a... What a great talent that is wasted. Yeah. Like, because Hollywood really never like went full stock with him, it seemed like. He's like the nickelback of Hollywood actors. Like he got big real hot, like real quick, and like people got tired of him. Hooker, did you say Brendan Fraser was like nickelback? No, we, man. We, like that well, is okay. like, that's a gold standard of nineties acting <laughs> right there. Like Okay, I'll, I'll preface this by saying, coming from my perspective, that I didn't think Nickelback was as bad as people make them out to be. Uh, oh, no, they're that terrible, but like, oh, Brendan Fraser is awesome. <laughs> okay, to someone who likes Nickelback, or, okay, I don't want that shame on my name. Yeah, tread lightly, Chief, because you're starting to get into like some unmarked I, territory. I like old Nickelback, like, like... Before, what was that album where every freaking one was on the top 40? Was it was it All the Right Reasons or some crap? Whatever album had f- Photograph on it. That was their downfall. That's where it hit them. Because it's, it was garbage and they kept playing it on the radio. Every one of those songs they played on the radio. But before that, like Too Bad. Too Bad is a great song. I love that song. And then the How You Remind Me song. That just takes me back to my childhood. I don't know if it's that good of a song, but it takes me back to my childhood. Uh, and uh, there's one more. It's how you remind me, and then there's I don't know what it's called. It's another song, but they had some good older stuff. I'm still upset that you compared Brendan Fraser to Nickelback. I get, like, so okay, this is the I I'm not going down this road. Oh with you. I think we've already kind of like set lines in the sand. No, okay, look, okay, hold on. Then. Did you watch the mummy? Yes, and it was fabulous, except for. Ooh. Wrong side of the river. That was ridiculous. <laughs> Man, that's an American treasure. You need to back off. Okay. Start to get upset. No, hey, hey. <laughs> hey. If there's not another episode well, of Pipecast. <laughs> You'll know it's Brendan Fraser's yeah. fault. Patrick has laid in fissures into our friendship all of a sudden. By I, I will have to create a different analogy. But, again, for someone who thinks the way I do, that Nickelback wasn't all that bad. They got bad. And then it was just a cool thing to do to hate on him. Nick, Brendan Fraser fits that bill. He got hot real quick. He may have got into some movies that wasn't so good. And then Hollywood dropped his ass. <laughs> well, they did drop him. And it's a shame. Yeah. It is a shame. But, yeah. Hey, I'll say this to Nickelback. You talk about upsetting people earlier. If you guys didn't like the Savannah thing, turn off now because I'm about to upset you. Oh, no. Hardcore. All right? Oh, no. Here we go. If you don't like Nickelback, but you love Nirvana, (laughs) then you're a hypocrite because that is essentially the same band. Like, Nirvana birthed that movement. People are shutting this podcast off as we speak. That's fine. That's good. Good. I don't want, like, because deep down, the reason they they shut it off, if you turned off the podcast, obviously you're not listening anymore, but if you happen to come back and be like, 
I wonder what else he had to say. Did he round off this conversation? Well, here it is. It's an indictment on you and your life and your hypocrisy. All right? If you can't come to terms with the fact that Nirvana spun off Nickelback, I, I can't do nothing for you, Chief. I can't do anything for you. Like, absolutely. And the reason you so quickly turned it off, just like if you were spiking controller because you lost a video game, is because deep down, it pierced your heart. Deep down, you know he's right. Yeah, I'm right. It's okay. It's okay. It's tough. I've been in situations where someone says something hurtful to me through proxy because they told me a truth and it pierced my heart. Oh, sort of like what I did with Brandon Frazier and Nickelback. Uh, no. <laughs> You're just, just absolutely wrong. Brandon Frazier is <laughs> man's a gift. I will say... This now, I'm, this isn't as bad as what you, or it might be as bad as what you just said. I don't think it is, but if anybody asks me my opinion on Nirvana, it's always Foo Fighters are better, <laughs> and that usually gets some strange looks, maybe some uh, fisticuffs. It would be interesting to see where Nirvana would have went if Kurt Cobain hadn't ended his life. Yeah, it would have been. Because um, I wonder if they would have got Foo Fighter ish. You know what I'm saying? It'd be interesting to see if they developed beyond, like, what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, we only had, like, a, a section of time, and they really only had, like, the one sound, you know? Yeah. So, it, it would be interesting to see if, you know, they developed beyond grudge. What's funny is, I used to not be, like, I was indifferent to them. I, I liked, you know, some of their stuff, but, I, I you know, I wouldn't listen to them all the time. Then I moved to Birmingham for a little while, and there was an, a new radio station that hit around the time I was down there. And every time I turned that radio station on, they were playing a Nickelback song. I mean, a, a Nirvana song. Same thing. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and it just got so tiring. I was just like, come on. I can hear the universal groans of Gen X right now. Just like, <laughs> Man, it was, it was, I don't know. Well, okay. We'll get back to this. What I was, back to Doom Patrol. It was a pretty good, uh, pretty good little pilot there. Like mm-hmm. I said, I, it had a lot of things I like in it. Because, like I said, Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser, I mean, I like him. He's playing Robot Man. He's, uh, he's a NASCAR driver. And he has a, a wreck or whatever, and that's sort of... You'll find out if you watch the show, but, you know, he becomes Robot Man. The only thing they could save was his brain. Mm. And, and oh, okay. So, okay. If Brandon Fraser didn't sell you, okay, the next is like... Okay, so, like, you know, they talk about the cherry on top? Mm-hmm. So, Brandon Fraser is the ice cream. The little cream, or the, like, the the whip, the whipped cream on top of the right. ice cream is the... What's his face? Alan Tudyk? Mm-hmm. He's Mr. Nobody in it. But then the cherry on top mm-hmm. is that Chief, basically the Professor X of Doom Patrol, is Timothy Dalton. Oh, really? Yes. Huh. And I did not realize that until the the show started and it said, you know, special appearance, whatever, Timothy Dalton. And then it just, it in like, I saw it. I'm like, oh, oh my God. Oh, man. They got like all kinds of like heavy hitters. They've got. A Firefly, a mummy, and a Bond connection. Yeah, and uh, um, and <laughs> since it's on their own like streaming service, 
Like, I mean, they're cussing up a storm. Uh, boobs were shown in it. Huh. Like, it's it's crazy. But, yeah, I mean, it's pretty good. They, I mean, it is really good. I don't, don't, don't what, let me sell it short. Th- I mean, is it every episode or you got to wait? Uh, I think they've only released the one, the pilot. Mm. So that's the only one I was able to see. They leave you on a cliffhanger on the pilot, too. But What about uh, other things? On the, is there any other stuff out there? Uh, on that DC stuff? Mm-hmm. Well, they got like uh, you know, have like old movies and stuff. and uh, The only other original thing they have is that Titans, which I have not watched. But they have a bunch of old like Batman movies and I stuff? Think, I think so. Hmm. Um... I think they have the old Superman movie. Interesting. And, and, and old an- animation. But but I, I would definitely, if you if you have a way to check out Doom Patrol, I would, because it, um, yeah, it, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool thing. Um, but, so if you're still listening, after all the crap you've heard, if you are a resident of Savannah, who likes Nirvana and hates Nickelback. And voted for Clinton. And voted for Clinton. We're sorry. Terribly sorry. Terribly sorry. But it's our opinion. That's what we're going to stick with. Technically, we didn't do anything. We were just using examples that the Clintons had. Savannah does suck, though, so sorry about that. If you live there, I'm sorry. You should probably move. You know, move to a real town. Like Florence, Alabama. No. Backstory here. Zach and I, well, Zach is from Florence proper. Florence proper. I am from the same county, basically like a suburb outside of Florence, a little town. And Zach, uh, there's a five-year difference between us, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So half a decade's gap. And he does not view Florence fondly. Mm-mm. However, I definitely am not a I'm not a proponent of Florence, but I'm a defender of Florence, I guess, because I don't think it's as bad as he says it is. Hmm. Florence to me is if like Stephen King made a scarier version of Derry, a bleaker, eviler version. And you get Florence. Like, it's a terrible town. Like, it's just awful. If I had a wish, it'd be to raise William Tecumseh Sherman from the grave and have him remarch and burn down that city. Oh, my God. On his way to Atlanta. And then he'd just go ahead and burn down Savannah, too, since basically Florence is, uh, if you put Florence on steroids, you'd get Savannah. Add a couple more squares. In a stupid island. Yeah, so if Pipecast doesn't make it past this episode, it has nothing to do with my Nickelback comment. It has more to do with the fact that you have just basically desecrated two beloved southern cities. Beloved? No one knows about Florence. Like, literally, That's what's, like, the beauty what's of that it? That's the beauty of it. What's the beauty of it? Nobody knows about Florence, so they don't have the tourism that Savannah does. But the same charm. They're just not close to the ocean. Mm-hmm. We have, have a river that, instead. A singing river. Oh my god. 
Yeah, so supposedly, dadgummit. If you ever watched, there's a documentary that came out. Called, what was it called? Shoals? Muscle Shoals? Was it called Muscle Shoals? The music one? Yes. Yes, it's called Muscle Shoals. Okay, well, if you ever walk, okay, Florence is north of Muscle Shoals across the Tennessee River. And actually, it's a little frustrating that the show was called Muscle Shoals when it's based around Fame Recording Studio, which is an acronym for Florence, Alabama Music Enterprises. But no, they didn't want to tell you that. Because originally it was in Florence and they moved it. Whatever. They they sort of touched on the fact that the Native Americans from the area called the Tennessee River the Singing River because apparently it sang. And then, unfortunately, they built a bridge and named it the Singing River Bridge. It used to be the Patton Island Bridge. Well, I don't think it was ever... I thought it... I think it was... Basically, here's the way it was. It was unofficially the Patton Island Bridge. Everyone called it the New Bridge. Or the Bridge to Nowhere. I'd heard that before when it was being built. Because it technically didn't go anywhere. At the time, yeah. It just connected Helton to whatever street that is. Muscle, the street Muscle Shoals. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, you said, what? Weren't you about to start a story or something? About what? I don't know. You said they called it the New Bridge, and then what? Well, I just said they called it, the locals called it the New Bridge, and they probably still call it the New Bridge because probably it's so. the newest bridge in the city. And yeah. then eventually it sort of evolved into the Patton Island Bridge, and then I think they either renamed it or officially named it to the Singing River Bridge. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Maybe maybe it was officially Patton Island, but I was thinking that it was just like, that was just sort of like the unofficial, and then when they finally put up the sign, it said Singing River. Mm. But okay, don't let Zach sell the city short. It is worth visiting. It's a nice little place. I described it to someone, and they go, wow, you make it sound like every 27 years a clown comes up and takes children back down to the sewer to feast. And I was like, Florence would be so lucky to have something that quaint. Oh, my God. It's oh more like God. an elder god is underneath, sucking the city out year after year after year. And all you see is urban decay, as far as the eye can see. People who live in places that you assume, if you walked into, you'd find them at the end of a noose. But no. Somehow they just keep going on as if, like, just living in the town makes them these timeless creatures of old. Their heart pumps for no apparent reason whatsoever. The clocks of time just keep on ticking. And even though you think that the whole place should be burned or flooded or pushed off in some old biblical way, it's not. Because for some reason, it can't even be seen by the eyes of God. Anyway, that's my take on it. So, yeah. Dang. Well, I can't put it as poetically as that. But it's not that bad. (laughs) 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 It's not that bad. It's not that bad. No, it really is. I mean, it's okay. Our parents still live there. Well, granted. Well, hold on now. Let me. Let me be more specific. Your parents still live there. Indeed my, they do. My parents live in a little German town just on the outskirts. Basically still is the town, but you know, it's, it has its own town hall and everything. St. Florine, the patron saint of firefighters. Granted, I am Irish, so it, my family is just one little Irish household and a mixed a bunch of Germans and Polacks. Hmm. Nothing. 
fun. I don't know. I didn't know that. Yeah. Bought the house from from Zermax. Live next to Cashmire's. It's not. If I was going to move back to Florence, I would definitely move to St. Paul. Right I now. thought you were a Killing guy. There for some reason. I was born. Well, okay. Born in Florence, raised in Killing, and then uh, during college, my parents moved closer into the city. Because okay, so maybe we failed to mention this. Florence is the home of the University of North Alabama, which is where me and Zach got our degrees from, our educational degrees. Go Vols. What? What? Vols? Or Lions? Everybody wants to hear that. Go Vols. What is Vols? You talking about the Vols? Tennessee Vols? Oh, is it Vol? I thought it was Vol. Well, Volunteer. It's short for Volunteer. You don't say Volunteer? <laughs> No, you know what? Well, second thought, you're right. Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, this, now this, this, if we have any listeners from the state of Alabama, or preferably North Alabama, this will make you shut this podcast off. My dad once made the statement, granted, he hated the fact he said this, but he was like, he did not understand why anything north of the Tennessee River was not Tennessee. Technically, where we were, where we're from, where we live now, is all north of the river. Oh wait, no, I live south of the river, so I'm safe. You're north of the river. Uh I don't care. Yeah, I really don't care either. But, but yeah, so, uh, uh, yeah, so I guess we would be balls at that point. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I could be a Vanderbilt fan. You could be that too, but you know. Why? Yeah, I don't know. Better school? I do like Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is a nice. I've been to their stadium, watched the football games, mm-hmm. watched them play Ole Miss. Nice. It's a little tiny little fella, but I love it. Right there in the middle of downtown. Not in the middle of downtown, but it's close. Isn't that in Nashville? Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to a more pretentious city in your entire life? <laughs> this episode is just a crap on city episode. Hey, I don't care. Yeah. <sighs> Okay, me and... Like, you got country music and nothing else, and then somehow that makes you better than me. (laughs) It's like, oh, actually, I I live in in Nashville. Well, then, two, they don't even make country music anymore, or what they pass as country music isn't real country music. But what y'all are going to find out is me and Zach have very different viewpoints on cities. Yeah. If it sucks, it sucks. And Nashville is one of those places that if you live there, you're just uh, arrogant about it. To give them your opinion on cities in general. What was that you want to say? Oh, hold on. Let me set the scene. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. What you said about cities? Maybe. I don't know. Well, I've I'll said a lot of things. You have. I have varying opinions. All right, I'm going to set the scene and maybe it'll jog your memory. Me and Zach were on a business trip in uh, Denver, Colorado one time. Mm-hmm. Went to meet a client. Across the street from the client, the client's in downtown Denver. So across the street, where's, you know, a Starbucks getting breakfast. It's me and Zach and one other co-worker. Now, Zach is the oldest, you know, you're, what are you, 32? I'm 32. I'm 27. The other guy was maybe 25. Maybe 24, but I think he's 25. So I'm sitting in here taking in the atmosphere and the, 
I'm not going to say culture. We'll save that for another topic. I was taking in the atmosphere of the place, you know, you know, eating my bagel and looking at the passers-by and, you know, thinking, you know, this, this is a nice place. I look over and Zach is just on his phone. Not even really working, just probably on Reddit or something. I don't know. He's just on his phone. I was like, why don't you put your phone down and take in the splendor of such a city? Which to where you say, every city is the same city. Yep, that's about right. Every city is the same city, based on size. But ultimately, I can go to the middle of a downtown. I can throw you in the middle of any downtown, as long as you haven't been to the city and you know the like specific landmarks. And they're not going to be any different from any other city. Period. Okay. It's true. It's true. All cities are ultimately the same at a certain point. I would agree, agree with you to a little extent that all cities are the same at a molecular level. They're all just concrete jungles with skyscrapers and overpriced lofts. But I think what separates it, which uh, it doesn't make any sense, I'm sorry. Usually I make sense. Um, what defines, what what different, differentiates one city from another city isn't the city itself, but the, I guess, the activities outside the city. Like Denver, right? If you love the beach, you're not going to live in Denver. You're going to live in Miami. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Los Angeles, I don't know. San Francisco, do they? Have, I don't. I, don't I mean, know. they're up against. I think they're both up against the coast. All right, close enough. Yeah, close enough. Uh, or, or uh, you know, yeah. Or um, Charleston or New Orleans, sort of. Yeah, but if, if you, you like, like mud water, yeah. If you like to hike, then yeah, Denver's probably a better bet. Or no, or like Kansas. Or yeah, um, Salt Lake, Kansas. <laughs> Get out of here. Salt Lake City, Boise, uh, um, places like that, you know. So I think that's what makes up cities, you know. Now, if you truly like the city lifestyle, then just go to New York. Yeah. Yeah. Chicago. I like Chicago, actually. Chicago's better than New York, in my opinion. I've never been to either. I've only been in the airport in Chicago. Chicago, I mean, Chicago just, it seems like it's a... I think they're a hardier people. They enjoy mm. their food very similar to the way I do. New York, it's like, I don't know. It's okay, I guess, you know. They'll always point to culture, but I mean, if your culture is like being a piece of trash and like, you know, then, you know, you'd love New York if that's your if that's your bag, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you like Boston? I love Boston. Boston's great. But is it just like Nashville? Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. What's the difference? Uh, the people. One's cold. Dirt, oh, you, know. you like the colder? Well, I'm just saying Boston's cold. It's going to be a little cold. No, what I was going to say is what's the difference for you? In the cities? Okay, hold on. Wait. If all cities are essentially the same at their core, what makes you like one over the other? Well, I can leave Boston and be in the Northeast. Mm. Which I like. I prefer to like being in the middle of Tennessee. So, so it, it sort of, I guess it sort of proves my point that what defines the, what differentiates cities are the outside, what's around them. Mm-hmm. 
but that doesn't mean that the city center is not any different yeah, from any right. other city center. You're right. But I guess what I guess I am part of that. I like I'm a southerner, so I like nice people. Yes. Which is why I prefer Chicago to say New York. You know. Yeah, I mean I haven't I'm not as well traveled as you. Maybe I'm just naive. No, nah, man, I don't think so. I just think that the, at the end of the day, a city's a city if you're in the center of it. It's the stuff that's around it and the people within it that makes it what it is. Yeah. So you can like or dislike something, but if you're, there's nothing to take in in the city. Yeah. There's nothing to take in. It's a building. Yeah. And all buildings are going to be essentially the same. You're going to have a more historic building, which will be brick uh, and mortar. And then as you start to weave out of the older city center, you're going to get to high rise steel and glass or plexiglass, you know? And, uh, but that's, it's, it's all the same. It's all the same. Um, all buildings grow vertically in pretty much the same manner. And then it's what the people are that's going to develop it. But you, you've never said like, I'm going to Nashville, right? And gone to the downtown and had a drink at a bar or whatever, right? Yeah. And, uh, that's going to be the exact same experience in any city, no matter what. But what differentiates Nashville from, say, Boston or New York or whatever is what you do in the outskirts. Because with the stories that you bring back from the city are typically the things you do on the fringe of the city. Yes. Like, no one's ever had, like, a weird experience in, like, some sort of theater troupe or, like, with a comedy show or a band experience or maybe, like, running amok in certain parts of the city. They're doing that in the on the fringe outskirts of the city. They're not doing that in the city center, in my opinion. I mean, like, you can do generic drunk people things in the city center, but you're not going to do that on the fringe, where you find the kind of weird uh, kind of ethnic neighborhoods or restaurants that are very specific to this culture, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to do that on the fringe. You never do that, like, near the, uh, you know, Bank America building. Or yeah. Whatever. I mean, point in case, like, New Orleans, like, one of the best <laughs> restaurants is on, not even in New Orleans. Is right. It? It's Arno. Yeah, in Metairie. Yeah. yeah. But, That's true. But I mean, like, you also don't hear people saying, like, yeah, you know, I'm, you know, go across Canal Street in the business district. That's where I have all my fun. No. Typically, if you're in New Orleans and you're experiencing New Orleans as the city, you're going to be in the French Quarter. That's the outskirts of the city. Like, that, I mean, technically, People would find that like to be the kind of the the focal point of the city, but like where the the high rises or stuff at, no one's doing anything at those high rises. No one's doing anything across Canal Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you, you yeah you never cross Canal Street. You you oh yeah you walk up to it, you run along it, and you turn back in. Right. You just you're going to be there's two places in New Orleans to to run amok. There's the Garden District and the French Quarter. There is a, a great bar in the business district called Howlin' Wolf that I love, but like, oh yeah, that that's one bar, yeah. one, yeah, that's what you know. Wrong. And I think there's a, I think that there's a really nice fine dining restaurant called August in the business district. And unless you're going to like the most prestigious five star restaurant, or you can find a kind of a quaint bar somewhere in there, you're not doing anything in those business districts. You're mm-hmm. not. Mm. But no, I mean, I, I think so. I think we do agree at some point. It's just, um, I still do, I guess, enjoy 
like I said, I don't want to get into it. I think we've had this discussion before. You know, when people say culture and, and, and things like that, you know, I, I know it sort of irks you. Um, and then my opinion has always been, I think people are just misusing culture, misusing the word. They shouldn't say culture. They should say atmosphere. They enjoy the atmosphere of the event that they're doing. Like you said, going to the opera, you don't understand the culture behind the opera. They, they like the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. That That's not universal. Remember that. Like, there are people who can speak Italian and can understand the opera as something beyond that. We're talking about what, our friends. What? We're talking about our, our people we know. Right, but yeah. typically people that we're rolling with, they're not. They're, you're not going to. You're not generating any type of new understanding. Um, you can expand your horizons and you can appreciate something for what it is. But the odds are, like, uh, the thing that you're experiencing is really just a. It's a flex. It's a way to bring up something that someone else hasn't done in conversation. And I don't think that that is relevant culturally because well, that's the thing that drives culture now is the internet. And like you can experience that in Hoboken or New York or in, you know, uh, just the crappiest town, Patton, Alabama or Lawrence County. I mean, oh, God. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't bring that place up. Well, I mean, there's got to be someone that probably enjoys the opera while they're lighting up their crack pipe in Manhattan. So yeah. you might be right. Like, well, see, okay, hold. On. Now, this is where I will will differ. Well, okay. Again, my opinion is going off of how I feel. Now, if I went to the opera, mm-hmm. right, it would not be to hold it over someone's head. I didn't say you said I did. I'm just saying I'm giving a differing opinion here. I would not. That would not be the reason. I would not necessarily go there to learn anything because I can't learn anything because I don't know the language. You know, depending on what they're singing. Uh, I would only be going for the atmosphere, and I say that to pull back on. Yeah, you know, cities are just brick and mortar and steel and glass, but the kind of atmosphere that you can get, like. Maybe this is, like I said, maybe it's just me being naive, but I, you know, it'd be awesome. It would be nice to experience one day waking up in one of those high rise apartments or something, walking down, walking down the stairs, you're taking the elevator down, walking into a coffee shop, getting some coffee, going to work, walking to work in one of those, you know, high rise buildings, then getting off and going in a bar and having a smoke and a drink. And then go back to that apartment. That would be cool. I, I I enjoy the atmosphere of that. Do you think you could have a smoke in a city at a bar? Why not? You said and have a smoke and a drink. Do you think that that place like that is going to allow you to smoke in a bar? Well, well, well if you want to smoke in a bar, you are living in the right place, sir. Alabama's the only. It's the last bastion of free smoking that you've got. Guess I need to go back to Birmingham then. <laughs> <laughs> but or Huntsville, go to Huntsville. Um, Okay, but, okay, but you, you get the point. Mm-hmm. You can see the picture that I'm painting here. Mm-hmm. That is what I like. It's monochrome, but I see it. Yeah. <laughs> you son of a... <laughs> but, like, you know, I don't, like, I get that way. Like, watching House of Cards, I just, it makes me just want to go hang out in D.C. You just live there and walk around everywhere and lobby on the hill, talk to all them scumbags, you know? Like, that sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Or 
I don't know. What a place for vipers that is. Yeah, you know that. But then, you know, but then also, <laughs> I've been watching that Letterkenny show. Mm-hmm. You know, I also would like to, it'd be fun to just live out in some rural town in Canada and just drive over to a bar every night. Right. Just, you know, shoot the, shoot the crap. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Like, like there's a there's a little pool hall in Florence that you know most people, mo- okay, for something we forgot to mention, Florence is like a, a college town competing with a retirement community. That's pretty much what it is. So you got a couple bars, but then there's one in in, in you got a couple bars in the downtown area, two, three, four, something like that. But then there's this little pool hall, closer into like the not the business district but the more commercial area, like where your Walmarts are. Right, your your Hobby Lobbies and crap like that. There's this pool hall converted the movie theater. Uh, nobody goes there. That's like the people you would see in those college bars in downtown. You're not gonna see there. You see these old. You see townies. Yeah. And and going in there and coming out and, and shooting pool, drinking cheap draft beer, coming out smelling like cigarette smoke. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. That's just cool. I agree with that. Yeah, but so that so like atmospheric environments, no matter, and they can they can be in every spectrum. That's they're just cool, they're cool stuff, and I think that's sometimes what the city draws to certain people. Yeah, no, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotten down to the end of my bowl. What about you? Yeah, I'm, yeah. Into my second bowl. This is actually drawn on a little bit, you guys. So it's uh, a special show for special a special show day. for a special day. You Hopefully. guys probably got an earful of stuff you didn't really want to get involved with. Probably not. So you know, our next episode will be a regular episode. We'll get back to we'll get back to normal. Um, unless you really love this, and we'll unless you start. really like trash talking. Yeah. Um, call it gossip hour. Maybe every once in a while we'll like throw in a little bit of uh, our own personal opinions. Usually I try not to do that. You definitely want to stick away from politics. So, like I said earlier in the episode, like that's not really indicative of my opinion on the Clintons, but yeah, it was just a yeah. specific use of one's accent slash one's diminishing accent. The reason why I think that is, and that's political. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're good or bad. It's just yeah, just I opinion. don't. I don't like the that kind of rogue agent trying to really go out and get their demographic on their side. Yep. But now, so uh, again, just to wrap it up, if y'all'd like to participate in the bracketology twenty nineteen, just follow the link on the in the bio on the Instagram page, um, and then. Um, uh, yeah, if you enjoyed this, just let us know, and uh, we'll see y'all next week at the next top of the bowl. This has been a pipecast production, and we hope to see you at the next full bowl. <laughs>